Hallelujah. Before I get into the word, one, I just want to say just thank you to the church family uh, during this time. You know, last week just it was kind of last minute. I was thankful for uh, our production team and sound team able to come in and Saturday and, re- and Saturday and record something real quick that we could send out Sunday morning. Also, our social media and communications team sending out emails and, and, and getting the word out about different things. And then also just each one of you. Um, you know, we sent in a message earlier in the week, and I know a lot of us, a lot of people without power, some people didn't lose power. I know Annette and I, we had lost it for four days, and, and, you know, that has its own challenges and excitement and adventure and faith, you know. And, uh, and so it, it, was, uh, it was great when we sent out a message. Within 20 minutes, we had um, just people responded, and I think about 18 different responses, maybe 15 to 18 responses, just real quick, and, and all the needs that, were, that our church family had were met just in moments. And, um, and so we want to say thank you, um, you know, and, uh, and so if you visited a neighbor or you checked on someone from the church, I know we had a guy in the first service, his name's Anthony, he lives close to us, and, and I went by and checked on him, and, and, and you know, and he's such a, you know, an awesome guy, and, and, and I got in there, and his power had just coming back on, so we were rejoicing with that, and, and I was like, I need to come to my house, because I still had another two days before mine came on, but uh, anyway, but, um, but anyway, I just want to say thank you for your heart of compassion to each other, uh, those in, in our community, and those that you, you, that you reached out to and helped in this time. Um, you know, so we, but we always have to, we can be so overwhelmed by everything that happens to us or in situations, and it can cause so much frustration uh, when we experience certain things. I mean, after all, in the last year, we've experienced a lot of different things as a nation, as individuals, um, in, in so many different ways, and we don't need to rehearse those things. Uh, and we don't glorify those things. We don't magnify those things. We, we magnify our, our, our provider. Amen. We, we, we don't magnify the problem. We magnify the problem. We don't magnify maybe famine that we might be in. We magnify fruitfulness in our lives. We magnify, we don't magnify the wilderness might be in, but we have to magnify the God of wonders in the midst of our wilderness. And so we have to hold on and continue to hold on to the word of God. So, Father, I thank you for your word today, and, and I'm humbled to be able to stand behind this holy desk. And uh, Lord, I, I repent in any way if I've taken this office for granted in any way. I, I repent for it, and I, I just need you to just speak through me today and, and bring comfort and bring strength and bring direction to us in this year of abundant overflow. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to read the whole original prophetic word that our apostle gave us. I, I want to key on just one paragraph that was given to us. And the Lord gave Dr. Savell this on October 7th. And it says this, I heard the Holy Spirit say again, yes, a new era is here. It's already begun. And I plan marvelous things for you in 2021. Abundant overflow is the order of the day. So rest assured it's on its way. Your adversary can't stop what I've already decreed, so stay in faith and get ready to receive. Allow no one to discourage you by what they say. Then he says this, keep looking to me and I'll have my way. A few weeks ago, I was 
I was um, seeking the Lord about a few things. I was actually preparing for a uh, victorious adults meeting that we had had, and Annette and I both spoke at, and, and we both, it's interesting, we didn't talk about what we were going to share, but I asked her, what's the Lord put on your heart? And it's interesting, it was, it was like the same, pretty much the same thing. And so I gave her a high five, and it's like, I love when, I love when that happens, you know, and, and, you know, so we just be knowing that we're hearing from God, and, and out of that, the Lord kept speaking to me something that Dr. Savell spoke back in 2005. And it was a word, it was his word of the year for 2005, and his word was focus. And that word, focus, he did an acronym for what that word meant, and, and it meant this fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. And, and over the weeks, I, I continue meditating on this. And, and I, I just believe because it, it ties into this word where he says, Keep looking to me, and I'll have my way. If you listen to last week's, um, you know, message I did that they, they sent out, I, I, I touched on this, that, that we have to fix our eyes on Christ's unlimited supply. What are you focusing on? What are you, because whatever you're focusing on is what you're pursuing. Whatever you're pursuing is, is, is what you're going to obtain in your life, whether, whether good or bad. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 27. I, I want to take my time with this. Psalms 27, verse 13, says this, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What is the psalmist telling? And he's saying, look, I would have given up. I would have passed out. I would have, I would have just left the building. I would have whatever. I would have fainted. Meaning, I wouldn't be here today if I didn't focus on something. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The psalmist was saying, I have to keep my eyes fixed on something. Because if I don't keep my eyes fixed on the right things, then what's going to happen is going to cause me to faint in my life. You see, the more and more you focus on the problem, the more and more discouragement that will try to come in and rule and reign within your heart. Is that true? Am I only the one that's ever done that? That the more and more you meditate on how bad it is, the more and more it doesn't get better. The more and more I pace the floor and even praying louder in fear doesn't mean it's just going to go away. I have to have my faith established in something. Proverbs 29 verse 18. You don't need to turn there. Just make note of it. It says this without vision, without vision, people perish. Now, this, this aspect of vision that they're referring to in Proverbs 20, 29 isn't, isn't necessarily just seeing something that you've dreamed up in your mind. It's not some sort of, let me sit back and, or, you know, that person did that and that person did that. And all of a sudden, you know, I like that. So I'm going to, that's going to be my vision now. That, that, that's not what that scripture, the scripture is, is where, the, where there is no vision, the people perish. It's not just coming up with some sort of dream on your own. 
because if you really look at the word vision, it actually is defined as divine revelation. It's not vision, it's divine revelation. And what is revelation? Revelation, something that's revelation is something that's been revealed. Meaning it's been revealed and because it's been revealed, I can now see it. Without vision, people perish. Or without vision, people go backwards. Without vision, people become uncovered. So if I don't have divine revelation, say that with me, divine revelation. See, if I don't have divine revelation, it's going to cause me to go backwards in my life. Because you will never have faith beyond what's revealed to you. So often people try to operate in faith, but have no revealed knowledge of what the will of God is. They might try to act and, and take this because someone else said it or someone did this. You, you know, I hear Dr. Savell tell this story and, 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 and he, he gets saved and, and Lord said, I want you to shut your business down and I want you to spend eight hours a day, no less than eight hours a day, um, studying the word of God. And when you, when you're done this three month period of time, you're going to come out with a, with a, with a word of God in your heart and a fire of God in your eyes. And you're going to, you're going to come. And so, so he does that. And so someone hears that and they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go quit my job and I'm going to live by faith. Wait, Wait a minute. You better get divine revelation. It better be your revelation. It better be God's revelation, not your revelation. But they don't understand all that while, while he was working, he was studying eight hours a day. He was working under his tree with a light, working on cars or working at a feed mill. It didn't say he didn't work. It said, it didn't say he didn't work. He had a revelation. The revelation was quit your job, sell your business and don't spend any less than eight hours a day. That was divine revelation. Don't try to live on someone else's revelation. You have to live on a revelation that's come out of the word of God. Because when you have divine revelation, then you can see. And when you see, no one can take it away from me. When I got healed back in January 23rd of 1993, no one can tell me that God doesn't heal. Why? Because I was healed. No one can say that I have to be good enough or cleaned up enough or I have to be in church to be healed. I was in my sister's living room working at a liquor store. I have a revelation that God will reach into a hurting person's life and bring deliverance and bring change. Why? Because I have revelation. I, it's been revealed to me. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Keep looking to me. Keep looking to me and I'll have my way. Be fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. I'm not going to be able to finish this morning, but we'll go as far as the Holy Ghost says to go. Ephesians chapter 1, and this is the, the Apostle Paul's prayer. And I agree with Brother Hagen. I believe this is something that you need to pray over yourself, over your family. It's something that... I pray over each one of you every day. It's something I pray over myself every day because this is the key to living a life of faith. In Proverbs, in, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, he says this I do not cease 
to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And so this is his prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So Paul's prayer is, Lord, I want you to give them a spirit of wisdom and a revelation. And it's not just a spirit of wisdom and revelation, but it tells us what needs to be revealed. Knowledge of him. Meaning that your eyes would be open to everything that is found in Jesus. Everything that was accomplished by Jesus going to the cross. Everything that's been made available to the believer through Jesus. So give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The next verse says, so what is this revelation meant to do? The next verse tells us that the eyes of your understanding. So what we're back to seeing, right? And it's not just seeing for seeing. It's not seeing natural things, but it's seeing something divine. It's revelation from God. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know. That you may know. If something's been revealed to you, you know that you know that you know. If I was holding an apple in my hand, it doesn't matter how many, how long I talk to you, it's going to be hard for me to convince you that it's not an apple. This is 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 not an apple. You would be like, you're stupid, pastor. You're making no sense. Yes, it's an apple. Why? Because you know that you know what an apple looks like. It's revealed to you. So this is Paul is saying, I, I want you to have a knowing on the inside of you that, that, that this revelation that is found in him, things have been revealed to you. And because of that, your eyes are open and you know something. You know something. What are the three things that he wants you to know? That you may know what is the hope of his calling? What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? I want my eyes open to that in a greater measure. How about you? That's why I pray this prayer over myself. And that's why I pray this prayer over each one of you. That the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. That they would know the hope of his calling. The inheritance of the saints. And the exceeding greatness of his power, man, I want our eyes open to all that's been made available. How about you? Go to Isaiah chapter seven. And I was going to go here, but I think I need to establish this real quick. Isaiah chapter seven. Thank God for the word. Thank you, Father, that you give us. Thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Hallelujah. That our eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That we would know the hope of his calling. The inheritance that we have because we're saints. And the exceeding greatness of his power. Amen. 
Now, I'm not going to take the time to read all this, but in Isaiah chapter 7, you're having two conversations. You're having what the enemy is saying, and then you have what God's response to what the enemy is saying. And just for the sake of time, I'm just going to look at verse, verse 9. It says, In the head, the capital of Ephraim is Samaria. In the head of Samaria is Ramallah's son, Pekah. If you will not believe, now listen, if you will not believe and trust and rely on God, on the words of God's prophet instead of Assyria, surely you will not be established, nor will you remain. Okay, why am I bringing this out? I want you to understand that revelation is what brings faith, and faith is what establishes us in difficult times. Pretty much they're saying, don't, don't pay attention to what Assyria is saying. Assyria represents the enemy. And he was saying this. He said, he goes, if you do not believe or trust and rely on the words of God's prophet instead of Assyria. So what will God's prophet do? God's prophet would reveal what God's desire is. So revelation is to bring about what God's heartbeat is for me and for you. And so he he says this. He goes, if you don't trust in what the prophet is saying, Surely you will not be established or you will or you won't remain. I don't know about you, but I want to I want to remain, Vic. I I, want to be established, Rick. I don't want to be moved to the left hand or the right. I want my life established. But how is it going to be established? It's going to be established upon revelation. My eyes, my spiritual understanding be enlightened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Genesis 26. Genesis 26. So have the eyes of my understanding be enlightened, that I may know the hope of his calling, the inheritance of the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power. Hallelujah. Say this with me. I'm fixed. On Christ's unlimited supply. In Isaiah 26, and you know, if you've been come to the, I'm sorry, Genesis 26, what did I say? Isaiah 26. I got a lot going on here, so I just. Hallelujah. I told told Annette, I said, I think I got three different messages. I said, we won't won't hit all three of them today, hopefully. Thank you for laughing, Matt. I appreciate that. Someone laughs at my jokes. It's okay to laugh in church. Hallelujah. Genesis 26 is, is a familiar scripture. We've, we've unpacked it oftentimes. And, and um, this is along the lines of what the Lord had us minister to our victorious adults. And I'm not going to cover, it's, my assignment isn't to cover everything we covered in that, but to key off on a few important things. Let's look at verse 1. It says, And there was a famine in the land other than the former famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I will tell you. Dwell temporarily in the land, and I will be with you. I will favor you with blessing 
For to you and your descendants, I will give all this land and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants to multiply as the stars of the heavens. And I will give to your posterity all these lands or kingdoms. And by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And by him bless themselves. For Abraham listened to and obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my command, my statutes, and my laws. Verse 6. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Now it's interesting. Here, Isaac is in a place of famine. And we can find ourselves, maybe spiritually, maybe even naturally, in places of famine. Or lack, or wilderness, or places of disappointment. We can, we can find ourselves in those places. But yet God has, you know, because the natural mind, the way natural man sees is Isaac would be like, I'm going to go to Egypt because that's where all the good stuff is. I want to go to Egypt because they got plenty. I want to go to Egypt because they got better things in Egypt. I want to go here because there's not a famine here. God, you want me to stay in a famine? You want me to stay here? God, what, what do you think? You know, I am Isaac. I am the son. I am the son of, you know, the father of many nations. I am Isaac. You know, Abraham, Isaac. There's not Jacob yet, but Abraham, Isaac, you know, there's, you know, there's like three of us and we're going to be known and they're going to talk about us all the time, God. And you want me to stay in Gerar? It's like, but God had to remind him that remember Abraham, remember there was a former famine. It started off saying there was a famine besides the former famine in Abraham's time. But yet, even in famine, we know Abraham was blessed beyond what we could even comprehend. Even in times of famine, Abraham was still blessed. Why? Because he had a covenant with God. He had revelation of this this covenant. It was revealed to him. And Isaac could stay in a land of famine because he had a revelation that he had. He was established in faith and he could stay in a place of famine because he knew his God. Why? The eyes of his understanding were enlightened. God had to remind him of what happened with his father. Let's look at verse, let's look at verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and he received in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. You could call that abundant overflow. And the man waxed great and he went forward, grew until he became very great for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds, a great store of servants and the Philistines envied him. Now think about this here. Isaac stayed in Gerar, a famine, and he sows in a famine. You know what? You don't sow in a famine. You have, you hold on to your seed in famine because you don't want your, your seed to die. Because if you have no water, you have nothing to produce crops with. But yet but Isaac had a revelation. He had a revelation that my God, he had his eyes fixed 
on God's unlimited supply, even being in a famine. So much so that the Philistines envied him. He became so great that the king, Abimelech, went to him and said, you're putting us to shame. You got to leave. So he went from he went from Gerar to the Valley of Gerar. So not only he went to the place where, where things were producing, he now went to the valley. And they're in a famine. Now, let me ask a question. Why? Why does a famine come? Well, what is a famine? You know, most of the time when you think of famine, if I ask you, it's like, oh, there's no food. Well, no, there's no food because there's no water. It's because there's no water that there's a famine. And so what, is, what, is, what does Isaac do? And Isaac departed, verse 7, And Isaac departed, and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham. So, so he helped his father dig these wells. And it says, as they dug. So he was a part of digging the original wells. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abimelech. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. Say this, a well of springing water. water. Now, you see, they didn't have to be in a famine. I, when I, I got looking at this, the Lord said, you know what? The Philistines and the whole town of Gerar never needed to be in a famine. Why? Because there was springing water underneath the whole time. All the while, all the while there's springing living water under the ground. And yet they're going year after year and they're in a famine. They were in a self-imposed famine. They were in a famine. They were in a famine because they didn't take the time to work. They didn't take their time to put their hand to something, but yet a man with a blessing. Now, now, now listen to this. The word Gerar, this place, you know, in, in America, we have, we have 50 states and, and we have license plates. And on those license plates, they would have different, uh, different things. Like New York was called the Empire State. It was named the Empire State because of their wealth and their resources. You know, you have uh, New Jersey, the Garden State. I, I don't know why they call it the Garden State. I guess there's lots of gardens. You have, you have Michigan. You know, Michigan is known as, what is it, the Great Lakes? And when you go to states that have different things, what they're known for, you expect to see it. Wouldn't it be a shame if you went to Great Lakes and yet the, the, you went to the, the Great Lakes State and the Great Lakes are actually in Florida? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be kind of ignorant? Now, Gerar, now, you know, there, there was no different in, in their time. The word Gerar actually means to wander or sojourn, but there was, this place was talked about and it was called the place of the water pots. So everyone knew to come to Gerar. Why? Because they knew Abraham had dug wells there. And because Abraham dug wells there, it was a place where people would come for water. But yet there's no water. So he's going to the valley of water pots and there's no water. But a man with his eyes fixed on his God. Yes. 
what does he do? He digs another well. Long story short, they, the, the, the herdsmen of Gerar, they took that well from Isaac. So Isaac said, well, I want to dig another well. So he dug another well, another springing well. Then, the, then those herdsmen, they, the herdsmen of Gerar, of water pots, they should be praising Isaac. But instead, they take his, they take his well. And then he has a, digs a third well, and they call that well Rehoboth. And they keep that well. And he, he, leaves, he leaves Gerar and he goes to a place and he, he worships God and he makes a covenant and he digs another well. And he calls that place Beersheba. And that meant the well of the seven oaths, which represented the seven main oaths that God made to Abraham. You see, the Philistines had filled in the wells. Let me ask you, what has the enemy tried to place on your well? What has the enemy tried to fill? Maybe you, you were on fire for God. Maybe, maybe you had great purposes, great plans in your life. Maybe you, you were going along in life, but yet different. The Philistines, the enemy, had stopped up your well. Maybe, maybe, maybe with wrong thinking, maybe wrong perspective, wrong thoughts, maybe different things. But all the while underneath, I want you to know there is living water. I'm going to encourage you today. Fix your eyes. See, there was an unlimited supply. There was an unlimited supply. That whole area didn't need to be in famine. You know what I want to encourage? I want to tell you, you don't need to be in famine either. Because we have a God. We serve a God that has an unlimited supply. An unlimited supply of wisdom. An unlimited supply of grace. Unlimited supply of forgiveness. An unlimited supply of mercy. Unlimited supply of righteousness. Unlimited supply. For some of you, it's time for you to, to dig those wells out of, in the things that the enemy has tried to place in your heart and in your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Remove the enemy's influence in your life so famine becomes a thing of, of, of the past in your life. Isaac, Isaac prospered when there was no wells. But yet, when he dug wells, he blessed the entire city. You digging a well it doesn't just affect you, but it affects all those around you. God has an unlimited supply. Isaiah 43 says he makes a way in the wilderness and rivers, rivers in the desert, Kenny. He makes a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Don't limit your heavenly father. Don't limit God in your life. We have to be fixed on his unlimited supply. Isaac could, could prosper and stay in a famine. Why? Because his eyes were fixed on the God that had an unlimited supply. Even being removed from there, he could live in this other place and dig wells and all of a sudden there create a, a place of unlimited supply. Let's go to John chapter four. And I'll start to close with this. Make note of the scripture, Isaiah 58, verse 11. 
Isaiah 58, verse 11. It says this, I'll just read it. It says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. And he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Wow. See, this is a God that has an unlimited supply. He will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. And will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Let's look at John 4, verse, chapter, verse, chapter 4, verse 9. It says, And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, and a woman for a drink? For the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you had only known and had recognized God's gift and who this is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him instead and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. You have no drawing bucket in the well is deep. How then can you provide living water? Where do you get your living water? Are you greater than and superior to our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and who used to drink from it himself, and whose sons and his cattle also? Jesus answered her, all who drink of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever, but whoever takes a drink of the water that I will give him shall never, no, never be thirsty anymore. But the water that I will give him shall become a spring of water welling up, flowing within him unto eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never get thirsty nor have to come continually all the way here to draw. You see, this woman came to the well with a natural need. She needed water. But we know the story. She had five husbands, and the ones she was living with were not her husband. She had a spiritual need. She had a natural need. She needed water, but, but more importantly, she had a spiritual need. And it was in this point of spiritual need, the only thing that could change her life was revelation. You see, every, everything else would just lead back to the same place. Everything would lead back to just another relationship after another relationship. Maybe for some, it could be from one drink to another drink. Maybe one plateau of success to another plateau of success. But whatever the case was, Jesus met this woman at the well. Jesus was there because of a natural need. Said he thirsted and he asked for water. But yet this woman was thirsty. And he realized that there's a lot of natural things you're pursuing. There's a lot of natural things you're running after. But nothing that in the natural is going to satisfy what you truly need in your life. Your eyes have been fixed on a husband. Your eyes have been fixed on everything around you. She was even coming at really the wrong time of the day because she didn't want to be ridiculed by other people. So she went in a time when no one else was going. And yet she sees this Jew that's there. Why? Because she was, she was frustrated on, on all the things that the enemy had tried to pour into her life and pour into her insecurities and fear and feeling like a failure. 
We all find ourselves in different places in our, in, in, our, in our mentality, in our thought life. But Jesus wanted to totally wreck her idea and understanding of what this well was all about. So the well that, I, that I'm often speaking of is, is not just a, a natural well like Isaac was, was referring to, but the well that we need to constantly hold to and the well that we need to constantly look to is the well that's found in Christ. Jesus said, said I, I, if you would ask me, I would give you this living water and this living water, you would never be thirsty again. See, so often our, our, we want things in our life. And God's not opposed to you having things. He's not opposed. We're, we're a prosperity believing church. We know the word says he gives us all things richly to enjoy. We know he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto us. But what we have to make sure is our eyes are fixed on the right supply. Our eyes aren't fixed on the blessing. Our eyes aren't fixed on prosperity. Our eyes aren't fixed on, on a healing. Our eyes aren't fixed on, 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 on a position or a, a calling, a ministry. Our eyes are fixed on Christ. And it's when our eyes are fixed on Christ, we can now tap into that supernatural unlimited supply. And it's in that supply that he will take you to the greater prosperity. It's in that supply. He'll take you to greater things. He'll, he'll cause greater things to happen and manifest in your life. But the thing is, their eyes have to be fixed on the right well. So as I begin this series, and we'll talk over a few weeks as, as the Lord directs. But everything coming back to this prophetic word. A year of abundant overflow. What does he say? Keep looking to me and I'll have my way. Keep looking to me and I'll have my way. Not looking to things. Not looking to, to, to results. Not looking, looking to him. And as we look to him, we will see the results. We will see. We, you will see. Looking to him to receive the wisdom that you need. Wisdom's the principal thing. Thank you, Father. So my prayer throughout this series would be that we would have, that the Lord would give us a spirit of wisdom in revelation in the knowledge of him. It was the knowledge of Jesus. It was what that woman at the well was revealed to her that caused her to leave her full water pot. She came there for water, but yet she left her full water pot there. Why? Because she encountered someone with an unlimited supply. And when we let go of the natural things that we think we need and we lay hold of him, we will have everything we need. We'll have everything we need. And when we have everything we need, we can be like Isaac and we can dig those wells that we can be like Jesus that has those conversations with people at the well. Maybe that well would be Walmart. Maybe that well would be wherever you work. Maybe that well could be at the bank. But when you're, when you're filled with living water, <laughs> you can then give living water. When you're filled with something that, that you'll never thirst of again, then you have something to release 
just like Isaac had to release, was able to release and be a blessing to the entire land. Let's be fixed on his unlimited supply. Father, we thank you for your word today. And today, this theme throughout today is fixing our eyes on you. And it's as we fix our eyes on you, I thank you that we tap in to a supply that does not have limitations. Fill us up, Father. Father, we thank you that we know also the, the word you said that there would be shiftings, great shiftings, great shakings, great displacings. You said afterward there would be a great awakening and a great outpouring. So I believe that outpouring is you in extraordinary measure. So we fix our eyes on you as we welcome this greatest outpouring we've ever seen in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Amen.